The Charlotte Hornets weren't exactly stuffing the stat sheet, but they gobbled up enough steals and mid-range buckets to get a victory. It's a Thanksgiving edition of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and we've got a win to talk about. Let's do it. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Check out Locked On Panthers, Locked On Hurricanes. We've got all of the uh, Locked On Podcasts covered here on the network. Make sure you are subscribed to all of them. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets, though, your first listen every day. Maybe it's your first watch on YouTube. We really appreciate it. We are free and daily wherever you get podcasts, including on YouTube. I'm Doug Branson. I'm the founder of the podcast. I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. I'm a YouTuber at everyhornetsboxscore.com. You can go in-depth, see my entire notebook there on everyhornetsboxscore.com. Subscribe for free or consider supporting my work there. Uh, I, I'm usually joined by my friend, uh, my co-host, Walker Mail of WFNZ. You can check his work out 12 to 3 every weekday, Wes and Walker on WFNZ. He is uh, getting a break here on Thanksgiving. I am here to talk about a Hornets win 107 to 101. I love getting a solo opportunity to talk about a Charlotte Hornets victory. And, uh, you know, we're going to wait until the second segment. The, the, the second segment will be for the context where I drop a little dose of reality on you. But we're going to start here by focusing on the good. And the good is they got a victory. <laughs> they had lost 11 of their last 12 games, and so any victory, it has to be celebrated. Um, if if you enjoy watching good basketball, if you enjoy watching a team that has really played their guts out, right? I mean, this is not a team that has given up uh, despite all of the adversity, despite all of the injuries, and if you have any respect for the players uh, that are really giving it their all out there, it's nice to see them pick up this victory. And if you're somebody who really and really wants them to tank, or really hopes that they accidentally tank. I like the comment that we got on one of our YouTube videos that said, the Hornets aren't tanking. They're just really good at losing. <laughs> they've, they've been really good at finding ways to lose marginal games, but in this one, they find ways uh, to win the game. But if you are a fan of of the idea of them you know, bricking for Vic, for Victor Webinyama, uh, then the Detroit Pistons also won. So, you know, the Hornets just getting a win to keep pace with uh, the Detroit Pistons. So there you go. But I want to focus on this victory, 107 to 101. Uh, really, you know, bad start for the Hornets. That's that's become a trend, this starting unit uh, that is, you know, a lot of players playing out of position, a lot of players, uh, you know, doing jobs that maybe they didn't think they were going to do coming into the season because you're missing your all-star in LaMelo Ball, because you're missing Coach uh, Cody Martin, who was uh, going to factor in to a lot of the way that this rotation shook out. So you've been missing these pieces. You're also dealing with players playing hurt. Dennis Smith Jr., who gets hurt in this game again, tweaks his left ankle, the same ankle. So he goes back to the locker room, never comes back. Gordon Hayward, who uh, missed some time in the fourth quarter in the last game, he, his arm is all ta- his shoulder is all taped up. Uh, you know his box score line wasn't very good in this one: three of ten, seven points, three assists, two total rebounds. Those aren't Gordon Hayward's stats. Like he's typically doing a lot more, and and he's obviously limited. So a lot of players having to do a little bit more, maybe play out of position, like Terry Rozier. 
And, you know, they, but they, they were able to find little things to do, especially in the fourth quarter, to win this game um, at the margins. And, and really, it was all, it was about two sections of the game, I thought. Obviously, there was a section of the game in the fourth quarter that they start that fourth quarter with a little bit of a scoring drought. And then Teo Maladon, well, Kai Jones, first of all, hits a shot, mid-range shot, breaks the seal a little bit. Teo Maladon gets two steals, gets in a transition, two straight finger rolls. That little 6-0 run helped position the Hornets to, to, to you know, get the lead back and, and, and forge ahead in the fourth quarter. And then Terry Rozier, who has struggled this season, there is no doubt about it. He has especially struggled with his three-point shot, and those struggles extended to this game as well, where he was one of three from the three-point line. Now you say one of three, that's 33%, not bad, but the three three-point attempts, that's where the struggle is. And generally, the Hornets struggled from three in this game, six of 23, 26% from the field. But again, just like Terry Rozier, the worrying number there is only 23 attempts. The Hornets are understanding that they're not shooting the basketball well overall, and they've decided to drive it, um, which is limiting ultimately the ceiling that the offense has and really forces this ta- team to play perfect defense, to to hustle for every loose ball and for every offensive rebound to manufacture points. And, and it really highlights what, uh, Teo Maladon and DSJ and other players that can steal the basketball and get it out in a transition, how huge those plays were, and, and none bigger than the ones that Teo Maladon had. But then Terry Rozier, struggling from three, he's going to his two-point shot, he's going to his mid-range shot, and to his credit, he knocked it down, especially in the fourth quarter. Overall in this game, he led the Hornets with 22 points, 9 of 18 from the field. But if you zoom in and look at, at that fourth quarter, big fourth quarter, he was four of four from the field for nine points. Again, all of those uh, two-point attempts, mid-range shots, pulling up, getting his guy, uh, blowing by his guy, getting his guy to miss, using his feet, using his dribble to create the space and knock down the shot and, and knocking down huge shots to help the Hornets pull away. Overall, in the fourth quarter, they were 13 of 22 from the field. The offense finally picking up. They were 0 of 4 from 3 in the fourth quarter, but they were 13 of 22 overall from the field, and they outscore uh, the 76ers, 28 to 26, they had accumulated a lead in the third quarter, a four-point lead, and uh, they hold on to it um, in in that fourth quarter by outscoring them by two points. Um, again, I'm going to get to the context in the in the second in the second segment because there are obviously some things you have to know about what they were up against. Uh, in terms of Philadelphia and how they came into this game. Um, But the Hornets doing the things necessary. Nick Richards, got to shout him out as well for his offensive rebounding prowess, his putback prowess, some hustle plays, block shots uh, were big in this one. What did he finish with total block shots in this game? Um, I think it was two. I am going to be wrong. It was only one block shot. I felt like it was two. It felt like two. Only one block shot, though, recorded for Nick Richards, but 5 of 10 from the field, 13 points, 13 rebounds for Nick Richards. Uh, Mason Plumley also had a double-double, 11 points, 13 rebounds. I thought Mason's passing once again showing up in a big way. Uh, but, you know, they get the rebounds necessary. They did try 
uh, at the very end of the game, Kelly Oubre fouls uh, at the very end. There were a couple of plays there at the very, very end where I thought, why why are you trying to hurt Steve Clifford? Why are you trying to uh, raise his blood pressure, doing some things when they had the game in hand that you felt like, wait a minute, are they actually going to let Philadelphia back into this game? Luckily, they don't, and the Charlotte Hornets get a victory. They were favored in this game, should note that, uh, by four and a half points, um, but they end their three-game skid, and uh, they get a victory, a much-needed victory, and a home victory in front of a sparse crowd around Thanksgiving. And and honestly, you know, there was some talk about it after the game, you know, not many people in the building, but the Hornets have to earn that. You know, the Hornets have to string together a couple of wins. They've got to get LaMelo Ball back at some point when he's 100% and healthy and not at risk for another injury. And they've got to earn those fans back. And I think there's an understanding uh, amongst the players and the coach about what the situation is on this season, that it is a season that is really hanging on a knife's edge at this point. They're not giving up, um, but but that is is where they are. They've got a huge hole to work out of. It's, it's certainly not an impossible hole. There are a lot of games left to play, uh, but some fundamental things have to change for the Charlotte Hornets, and it has to start with shooting because – you know, that three-point shooting is not sustainable. And that sort of leads into the second segment where, I, where I'm going to drop a little bit of a dose of reality on you on Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> if, if, if the first segment is where we stuffed all of our faces because Kai Jones was getting important minutes and looking good, and Jalen McDaniels was shooting well, and Nick Richards was playing well, and Terry Rozier was knocking down shots again, even if they weren't three-point shots. If the first segment is stuffing our face, the second segment is when we have to take the Pepsid and when we have to you know, look ourselves in the mirror and understand what we did to our bodies on Thanksgiving. So that's coming up uh, in just a second on the Locked On Hornets podcast. But first, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors. Man, we are thankful for our sponsors. They keep this show uh, alive and thriving. And one of them that has uh, just jumped on is Turo, and it's really it's really a great product. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. <laughs> That's what the Locked On Podcast Network is built on: local hosts, and so is Turo. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., or Canada, and also coming soon to Australia. <laughs> Good day. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle that you've had your eye on if you're trying to, you know, save the planet and you need to test drive that electric vehicle. You can do it with Turo. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the right car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. More on this victory at home against the Philadelphia 76ers coming up on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. I know a lot about the weight room. I know a lot, ton, ton about the weight. I, I, I don't, I don't lift a lot of weights, uh, but I do kind of stand around the weight room. I sort of, I kind of. Are you using that? Are you, you're good. Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. And you know, no, I stand yeah. around the weight room a lot. Do you have the high socks and the headband on with your hair tied back? 
Oh, yeah. Big, like, white tube socks for sure. Yeah. yeah. Headband. Yeah, I've got it all. I've got yeah, big, he- these, big he- these headphones right here that you see me wearing on YouTube right now. I take these into the gym. <laughs> so I just, you know, it's about looking professional. You got to look the part, right? Dress for the job that you want. That's how I feel about how I am in the weight room. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. Make your next listen Locked On Sports today from the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide defense to offense. That's what saved the Hornets in this one. And honestly, you know, when you when you really look at how poorly their offense is shot, The fact that they've been able to consistently score over 100 points is honestly a miracle, and that miracle has been generated because they've been able to turn defense to offense, and that defense also a big reason why the margins of defeat have not, even though they've lost a lot of games, the margin of defeat, the point differential, hasn't been uh, huge. They've only gotten blown out a couple of times during uh, this period of time when they haven't been able to get many wins. A defense being a big part of that, also the putback game being a big part of that, and uh, they get a lot of putback points in this one, but it was defense to offense. I mean, the number of deflections that they had in that fourth quarter, really amazing, and, and especially when you consider that they started the quarter 0 for 6 from the field. Now, typically, this was a team last season that would let that kind of start get into their heads completely, and and they would collapse as a team. And it's the one thing you haven't seen the Charlotte Hornets do this season is absolutely collapse. Again, it has happened. I mean, there was the game against uh, Memphis where, where it really happened, and they completely lost control of the game. But, I mean, you look down the line, the game against Miami, they lost that 132-115, to 115. That, that just um, the second game against Miami. Yeah, that one was was one that spun out of control. But consistently, they've been losing games by 10 or, or less. You haven't seen sort of massive collapses. And I think that's a testament to the players obviously believing in uh, what the, the believing in the game plan that Clifford is setting up and believing in some of the principles that he's attempted uh, to install. But the fact of the matter is that the Hornets have built-in liabilities by virtue of the fact that they're missing their best player in LaMelo Ball, somebody that both generates some of that defense to offense, but generates so much of the offensive load for the Charlotte Hornets and gets them into transition for and, and allows them not to play so much in the half court. And they've been forced to do that. And their half court offense is absolutely abysmal. Um, and in this game, it wasn't much better. I mean, if you look at this game, according to Cleaning the Glass, points per play in the half court, Charlotte, 89.7 points per play. That's not the good. Uh, that's uh, 36 percentile. Now, luckily for them, Philadelphia, even worse, at 83 points per play. That's 19th percentile. So much of their offense being generated on putbacks and steals getting into transition in this game. Now, why were the Sixers so bad at half court offense? Well, Pretty good reason. They're missing three starters. James Harden was out. Joel Embiid was out. Tyrese Maxey was out, and Maxey does so much for the defense and and could have uh, probably held the Charlotte Hornets by himself under 100 points and said the Hornets score 107. And, you know, you're, you're missing Harden and Embiid, who are two absolute matchup nightmares. Now, the Hornets have done a good job this season really limiting 
you know, one particular player. If they wanted to try to take away Embiid, it would have been difficult, certainly. But they've been able to really limit one player. It's been, you know, limiting sort of what that player ends up doing when they can pass the ball effectively. And and if you can throw two or three players at them, well, then it gets even more difficult for the Charlotte Hornets, obviously. So missing those players a big deal. The Sixers were also on a traveling second night of a back-to-back, which is always difficult. What makes it even more difficult for Philadelphia is the fact that they come off a win, which you're like, wait a minute, why would that be more difficult if if they were coming off a win? Well, it was a win over a fully loaded Brooklyn team and Ben Simmons returned to Philadelphia. A lot of emotion wrapped up there. It almost felt like Philadelphia had overextended themselves to get that victory over Ben Simmons to stick it to, to stick it to Ben for leaving and, and and all of the drama that was wrapped up in that. And and there seemed to be a lot of that going on. And then, you know, you could tell they were just, there was a lot of being out of gas. I mean, Tobias Harris uh, missed a ton of shots before he finally made one in the fourth quarter. So yeah, I mean, you know, they had they had their guard step up. Shake Milton played a really great game. DeAnthony Melton uh, was was also solid in this one, but they didn't get a lot of production outside of those two players. So when you look at this win, you know, maybe if you look at it in the season and you forget about some of those contextual points, you'll say, "Oh yeah, they got a win over Philadelphia." They never do that in Charlotte, right? I mean, they had lost eight straight games to Philadelphia in Charlotte. But if you zoom in and understand some of the things that were going on around Philadelphia, you know, it starts to make a lot more sense. And, you know, I think when you look at this at the end of the season, Philadelphia is going to be on a certain, you know, trajectory towards possible playoff success, and the Hornets will not be. The the fact of the matter is you score 107 points, but the Hornets' offense is still bad. I mentioned, you know, the half-court stats. They weren't really getting into transition all that much except off of steals. That's where a majority – of their transition plays were happening, but they're they're just unable to push it off of live rebounds. And that's something that I think Clifford recognizes is something the offense has to do to be successful. It's something that they've struggled to do without LaMelo Ball, and it continues uh, with this one. I mentioned the three-point shooting. That's really what this comes down to. I mean, if they can knock down just a few uh, more three-point shots, uh, this, this one... Uh, probably they went easily and they score, you know, over 115 points. I'll give you the perfect example. There was a stretch of the game that I thought was important outside of the fourth quarter, and that was the end of the first half when the Charlotte Hornets were looking down the barrel of an eight-point deficit with about two minutes to go in the first half, and it looked like you know, this was they were in danger of pulling a Brooklyn and unraveling to a Philadelphia team that was playing inspired basketball without a lot of their stars. And instead, you had three point shots by Terry Rozier, by Kelly Oubre, rare, you know, three point opportunities for these players. They knocked them down at the end of that first half. And in fact, I think they got three three point shots. It was reminiscent of their fourth quarter miraculous comeback that they had against Cleveland, where it was just like bang, 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 possession. They're getting stops and getting three point opportunities. Three and D, they were able to combine that. And, and it, the fact that it is, though, that it's just been a rare occurrence for them to do that. So when I take all of that and I put it in a pile and I look at this victory, I say, man, 
really encouraging that they haven't given up, that they're, they're still persevering through all of this adversity. But you lose DSJ possibly for another game or a few games. Gordon Hayward doesn't look like himself. And you've got Terry Rozier playing point guard, and he can't hit a three-point opportunity uh, to save his life. I mentioned um, Kelly Oubre did not – he didn't hit a three uh, on, on that stretch, uh, but Terry Rozier did. And uh, I believe Jalen also had his three during that that um, end of the first half run. But you you take all of that, and I think I like I'm not ready to believe that this team has started a winning streak here. Now I do think they can win a few more games on the margins if they continue to play like this. If they continue to secure defensive rebounds and stops in critical moments. Uh, now, they weren't necessarily like an amazing defensive rebounding team in this game. They did allow eight offensive rebounds. I think they actually tied in second chance points 11-11. Um, so, you know, that's that's something that they have to win the second chance battle or or they really – even if they do, they don't necessarily have a shot because their three-point shooting has been that bad. But you have to win that, I think, to even give yourself a shot to win games. So I don't think they're on the start of a winning streak, but I do think that when you look at the schedule, it is easing up. There are more home games. We'll take a look at that in the third segment. Um, but I think they, they have the opportunity to win a few more games on the margins. A few more things that I want to talk about before we get to the third segment. I want to drop some thank yous uh, on some folks. Um, thank you. What should the Hornets be thankful for? I want to talk about that, but I also want to drop some thank yous because we are here um, on Thanksgiving. What should they do moving forward? That, it's an interesting question. Like, you know, should they make any adjustments? Should they really continue to try to ride out this storm without LaMelo, possibly now without DSJ and with uh, with a banged up Gordon? Should they continue to do what they've done and say, all right, you know, maybe we get a few more opportunities against Philly and, you know, we can win a few more of these games on the margins. Or should they make a change? Uh, you know, I think they've got to hope that LaMelo can get healthy quickly. But in the meantime, if DSJ is healthy, if he tweaked his ankle, it can come back. We've seen it before. He's tweaked his ankle before this season and bounced right back. Clifford mentioned after the game that guys that injure their ankle a lot. Uh, tend to bounce back a little bit quicker than than guys who are experiencing it for the first time. Uh, Jalen, I mean, uh, his first sprained ankle uh, sidelined him for a large majority of uh, of his season last season. It's because it was his first ankle injury ever, and he had to you know um, uh, rehab that. So, th- what he's saying there though is telling that like. I don't know that this organization has a ton of trust that DSJ is going to be able to stay healthy this whole season. So you got to figure that out. But you do have Teo Maladon, who was key in this game. And so I think if DSJ is healthy, I think you have to consider either starting him or Maladon alongside Rozier. And then the question is, okay, well, you're running out of players here because P.J. Washington has played well enough to start. He's a key factor in, in what you're doing, both defensively and offensively. I thought he had a much better defensive game in this one. Um, you know, the, the Mason Plumley and Nick Richards conversation is going to continue to be had. I think Nick Richards ultimately becomes a starter, but Mason's pretty locked in as your starter right now. So then that leaves Gordon and Kelly. Go, you know, Gordon is so banged up at this point. If he's not the player that, that, you know, can, can really contribute and either, I think you have to ice him until that shoulder gets healthy or, or figure out a role for him on the bench because Kelly Oubre, I think, has been such an essential piece of both your offense and your defense that he has legitimately staked a claim to the starting lineup. He's no longer in that sort of six-man conversation, uh, at least right now. So 
you know, I, I think you have to make that consideration if if Lamelo is not going to come back very soon because, you know, Terry Rozier is being forced to do the point guard role. It is affecting his shot, the number of minutes and the things he can't play off ball. But that's a choice that the Hornets are making. They're choosing to play. Terry Rozier in the main point guard role for all of these minutes. You saw what happened when Terry Rozier and Teo Maladon were playing on the floor together in the fourth quarter. That Rozier was getting better looks, and Teo was able uh, to do a little bit more with the ball, making good looks. He had a great pass to uh, Mason for an alley oop. Like he's somebody that can make an impact, and I think they have to make that consideration moving forward. But we'll see. We'll see what they end up doing. Uh, you know, if I'm a betting person, I would bet that Clifford's going to ride this out. You know, I don't. I, it doesn't feel like he he thinks that making a move is in the best making a move like that is in the best interest long term of the team. But we'll have to see. Uh, speaking of betting, uh, a a company that's been with us a long time that's supporting this show is Bet Online. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer. Hey, World Cup, hello, and esports. We they've got it all on BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online line as well. I mean, I would hope you like sports podcasts if you're listening to this one. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix uh, is bet online. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. More on uh, the Charlotte Hornets, what they should be thankful for, what we are thankful for here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Is Locked On Hornets. But I have seen him go all That's the way up fault. to number 10. That was, is there a warning? Do we I need to get trying, out of here? Okay, here's the thing. My, I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off, and I was trying to silence it, and then I accidentally hit ping the phone, and then the phone pinged, and, and now here we are. <laughs> I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes... It seems like you're. I'm actively fighting you today to move to Sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Looking at the box score here, Kai Jones again getting a just a he, he's got a locked in position in the in the rotation. It's second quarter, it's fourth quarter, meaningful minutes, but they are sort of capped at 8 minutes. Like that's what it's been the past couple of games. He's making some good plays. He's made a couple of incredible highlight plays. He had a nice little jump shot uh, because he wears the short pants. And when he shoots, he like spreads his legs. When he shoots that little mid-range jump shot, he kind of looks like a freaky long MJ. Like That's what the shot looked like to me. Um, but, but the question is, why isn't he... Okay, so he's done some good things. Why is he still stuck at eight minutes? Uh, I think it's... He's getting a look for a reason, and that reason is he's proven uh, to Steve Clifford that he can be trusted to be out on the floor for a few minutes, gives them a little bit of a spark, gives them a little bit of an, of an energy boost, and that's great. The problem is, and why he's not getting more minutes, is because he also has a couple of mistakes on defense every game, uh, Got lost Harrell, got behind him, had to foul him, fouled Harrell on a transition play as well, where he wasn't able to make a block and instead fouled. 
uh, which, which is, you know, that, that could be considered good. You know, you make them earn it, but at the same time, can't get ahead of the play. So there are those issues, had the two personal fouls. Um, and then I feel like on offense, you know, he's in the corner. Players aren't really looking for him in the corner, even though he's wide open. And the reason he's wide open is because uh, opposing defenses have scouted Kai Jones. They know he shot 0 for 10 in that uh, summer league game. They don't trust his three-point shot. So when he stands in the corner, it's kind of useless because his man is going to sink down and try to close off the paint. Uh, so, you know, until he can prove that he can knock down open three-point shots, it's going to be difficult to justify playing him, especially because you are playing him out of position at the power forward spot alongside Nick Richards um, and Mason Plumley. But, you know, while this rotation is a little bit depleted, Kai Jones making it known uh, that he can make some kind of impact. And that's super important because James Booknight, Bryce McGowan, JT Thor, Mark Williams, uh, JT Thor and James Booknight, two players that have been in the rotation before, are out of the rotation. Bryce McGowan's, Mark Williams uh, are still going back and forth from Greensboro uh, to Charlotte. So uh, the fact that you're in the rotation is a big deal. And Kai Jones, um, thankful for that, I'm sure. And we're thankful uh, that we get to see a few Kai Jones highlight plays and we get to see that beautiful teal hair of his, uh, which is fantastic. Other things that the Hornets should be thankful for as we wrap up this Thanksgiving edition of Locked on Hornets. Uh, They have a lot of home games coming up. They have to be thankful for that because they've spent a lot of time lately out on the road and they've been spending that time on the road losing a lot of these games. Although uh, the rare win that they had was against Orlando on the road. That one was 112-105. But again, you know, you're talking about opportunity there, right? With that Orlando win. I hate to be the guy that comes in and throws in cold water on this, but Paolo Bancaro was out of that. So, you know, when are the Hornets going to get a victory where you say solid opportunity, everybody was healthy, the Hornets stepped up, they're going to do that. I'm telling you, they're going to do that when they start hitting three-point shots because you cannot compete with a fully loaded team in the NBA right now. I mean, they have a 90s offense, right? It's not a, it's not a modern NBA offense. And until they can start hitting three-point shots effectively, they're not going to really compete uh, with any team uh, that is fully healthy. They'll have an opportunity after Thanksgiving, Friday, November 25th, against Minnesota at home. It's a, it's a, I have to do my uh, central time to Eastern time math here. So it's a 6 p.m. tip. So a little bit of an early tip, not crazy early, but slightly um, out of sync for the Charlotte Hornets. But that Minnesota team has been up and down. Uh, but, you know, can they catch them on a down night? But they are, they are also uh, generally healthy, so an opportunity for them to do that. It'll be interesting to see what the line is on that game. Then they travel to Boston, but then they get three home games, Washington, Milwaukee, and L.A. All right, Washington, eh, you know, they've, they've played that team close. Uh, they've, they've also uh, lost both of those games. Uh, the first uh, opportunity they had with them, November 7th, that was a bad loss. Uh, because Beal was out. Beal comes back in that second game that they, uh, the, the, in fact, the two games ago where they lost, but it was only 106-102. So again, they, they've played them pretty close. An opportunity there, Milwaukee, that's probably going to be a slaughter. But then LA, 
you know, if, if LeBron's still out, certainly an opportunity to pick up a win there. Brooklyn plays all over the place. They're at Brooklyn, but that's an opportunity. New York, uh, certainly an opportunity. Um, uh, you know, one of the one of the closest losses this season, 134-131 in OT uh, earlier in the season. So, you know, I list off all these games. They should be thankful that so many of them are at home. They're going to get an opportunity before the middle of December when they go out on that huge West Coast road trip, they've got an opportunity to rack up a few wins and get some confidence built up and hopefully get LaMelo back for that Western Conference road trip later in the season. Another thing they should be thankful for is that, you know, everything that you're hearing out of the team right now is positive on LaMelo's progression to get back into the lineup. He's starting to do a little bit more. You hope that they're going to be cautious, that they're going to be super cautious like extra special cautious with LaMelo's return. Felt like they rushed it slightly. I was frustrated with the communication on everything. I wasn't frustrated with how long he was out. I was just frustrated with the lack of messaging on, you know, how he was progressing. We kept hearing words like closer, but we didn't have any, you know, kind of indication of how he was responding to rehab. Seems like they're they're being slightly more communicative. I think they recognized that fans were getting frustrated. But I think fans at this point, after seeing the re-injury, are probably more on my side of saying, look, would love to see LaMelo Ball play a bunch of Hornets games this season. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the boat has probably sailed even on an all, uh, on a consecutive all-star bid uh, because he wasn't like, I, I would say maybe there was a chance if he was like a huge fan favorite last season in terms of the fan vote, but he was unexpectedly running behind on the fan votes, or at least unexpectedly to me. I thought he would have more fan votes than he got last season. And and the coaches are certainly, I think, not going to put somebody in who has been uh, injured for a vast majority of the beginning part of the season. So I think the boat sailed on that. The boat probably has certainly sailed again unless he comes back and just absolutely explodes. I think the, the, the boat has probably sailed on all NBA, so... You know, I think really from a team perspective, from LaMelo's perspective, I think they just got to be thankful that he's not, you know, more hurt than he is and get 100%. And I think finally, something I've touched on already is that the players haven't given up. They haven't fully collapsed on this team. And and I think, you know, if that were to have happened already, and, and they certainly had license to with the number of, of tough losses that they've had to endure – it certainly would be understandable if the locker room were completely lost. Um, but but I don't think that would be healthy for the franchise in general moving forward. If you're if you're really concerned about them winning in the future and keeping LaMelo Ball, one thing that you don't want to happen is for there to be a lot of drama and issues and players giving up. You know, I think the record's gonna shake out how the record's going to shake out, but for the long-term health of the franchise. Uh, you know, it, it, the, the, obviously Victor Webinyama is sitting there in the draft. Obviously, Scoot uh, Scoot's sitting there in the draft, and those are big opportunities. But they aren't. But there's so much luck that's involved there. Players are going to control what they can control, and so far they've been able to control their uh, their resiliency and their perseverance and their ability to not give up on this season. And honestly, I think it's I think it's admirable. I, I honestly do. I, I think it's as a fan who. who watches these games night in and night out. And I know that a lot of people watching this are hardcore fans of the Charlotte Hornets. They they're watching they're, they're watching this every night. I want to see a good product, you know? Uh, you know, draft odds be damned. I want to see 
I want to see guys who who care because I care and I'm watching. And so that's that's been a nice thing to see. And again, some of these guys are really struggling. Kelly Oubre, even though he's been doing some great things, has been struggling with his shot. Terry Rozier has been struggling with his shot. P.J. Washington has not has had nights uh, where where he absolutely has had a negative impact and yet comes back. And, and especially in this one, I thought uh, was a big factor in the reason they've won. Um, so that's that's been something that I think certainly Steve Clifford can be thankful for, but the organization in general can be thankful for. And finally. I want to wrap up and just say that, uh, and I'll speak for Walker here too, we are extremely thankful that uh, you have supported this show for however long you've supported it. Maybe you've jumped on this year when we moved to YouTube and started commenting. We super appreciate it. Maybe you joined in because uh, you like the 2K stuff that we've been doing this year, so you're super recent. Welcome aboard. We're thankful that we've been able to extend the audience this season through the use of YouTube. But uh, we're also thankful for the people that have been supporting this show. I mean, there's some people that have been supporting this show since we were Hive Talk Live way back in the day, working with uh, the folks at At The Hive and SB Nation before we ever joined Locked On. Uh, But we've been doing this for a long time. We've been uh, talking about the Hornets when they were the Bobcats in 2013. And we've just been growing the show each and every year. And uh, we're super thankful for everyone that's jumped on. And I'll just say a quick thank you. I mentioned this in the uh, game notes that I filed for every Hornets box score. But a super big thank you to everyone. That's a new project, something that I'm doing. uh, And and everyone that supported that, I really appreciate it um, because, you know, Walker obviously is is doing some really exciting stuff with WFNZ. I decided to go full time covering the Charlotte Hornets this year through every Hornets box score and locked on Hornets, and it's a decision um, that has been amazing to see the support that we've been getting on this show. And uh, super thankful for the Locked On Podcast Network. I mean, they have made this show possible. Uh, you know, by uh, supporting us uh, and the advertisers that come on, Bet Online, Bill Barr, you know, all those folks have been making this uh, something that we can actually do uh, and support our families, and and that's honestly, I mean, that's amazing. Um, it's humbling and and it's great. Uh, but we couldn't do it without you listening every single day and without you watching on YouTube and commenting and liking and subscribing and telling friends. Uh, So if you're around the Thanksgiving table and you know another Hornets fan in the family, make sure you are letting them know about Locked On Hornets. So with that, for Walker Mail, I'm Doug Branson. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. For your second listen, go check out Locked On Sports today from the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app and wherever you get your podcast. Go Hornets. They got a dub. Go America. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Let's swarm Charlotte. Charlotte.